The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! It worked. Yeah. It worked that time. Yeah. He didn't want to sing to us today. It's like, whatever. I've been doing radio so long, it just doesn't matter. I've been, So many shows have had so many glitches in them that... Lucky you're a professional, Tom. I'll when, get there one when, day. When you first get into this business, that kind of stuff rattles you. Yep. But once you've been in the business for a while, you realize that's going to happen and there's nothing you can do about it. And just, no. you just go with it. Roll with the punches. Yep. All right, let's get a watch party going and then we'll start the show. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Watch party. Can't believe watch parties are going away. It's going to be like one third of our audience. They just right, have to find us the other way, the normal way. Yeah, but it's fun like at, at, at midnight on a Friday right. to do a watch party and then and have people commenting as if they're watching, you know, because they're all coming in at the same time on yeah. the watch party. So we got a bunch of stuff though coming up though. We've got some video shorts we're gonna be posting. Talked about that off yeah. the air. Teaser trailer. Driving me out of my mind. By the way, thank you to Melvin Taylor, this guy who sings the opening song of the show, who wrote the song for the show. Appreciate that. Put it on his record. And um, he's been going live, I guess, once a week now from like his basement or wherever he is, and doing all his best songs. It's like a Melvin Taylor concert every Friday night, and I love it. That's good. She did the papa pa. See, now she's trained. Yeah. Now I now I feel like we're we're gelling. Well, I am a singer, you know. Are you really? Yeah. No kidding. There you go. I think you might have told me that at one point tonight. Papa just for you. I didn't even charge you. (laughs) (laughs) Me out of my mind. All right. With the shoe up, I failed. So so much to get to today. Let's start the show. Hi, my name's Tom Duggan here at the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. We want to thank right out of the gate the United Podcast Network for not canceling us. Because, you know, boy, I'm watching people lose their Twitter accounts, getting fired from their jobs for saying things that are mild compared to what I say on this show. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think back about some of the shows that I've had and some of the hate mail that I've gotten about it. And quite frankly, when I, when I started doing this almost four years ago, the, the podcast anyway, I've been doing radio for 30-something, uh, but when I started doing this podcast, I, was, I really thought like, okay, you know what? I know Dave's never going to cancel me because of what I say, because we have an agreement and he's never going to dictate what I can and can't say on the show. Yeah. But then when I realized we were part of the United Podcast Network, I was like, yeah, but you know, they can always, they can always, they can always do it <laughs> if we cause enough trouble. So I tried really hard in the first year to get canceled. Like I talked about all kinds of racial stuff. We had a guy from Black Lives Matter on the show. I mean, we've done a lot of stuff that I walked away going, okay, that's definitely my last show. And, and we're still here. So thank you to United Podcast Network for at least not yet canceling me. Um, before we start the show, I want to th- I want a uh, free shout out to Angelo Memolo over there, my good friend Angelo Memolo over there. Over there. Over there. He, uh, he runs A&M Auto Body on South Broadway in Lawrence. And uh, for those of you who used to follow me when I'd go live uh, before they encrypted the police scanner in Lawrence, I'd go live to all the shootings and the stabbings and everything. Um, some, some guy T-boned me and spun me around while I was live. 
and I actually thought my car was going to tip over because I got a Jeep and it started to do this. And um, he wiped out my whole back door and my whole side door on the passenger side. Jeepers. And I just bought the car like six months earlier. It was a brand new Jeep, brand new Jeep Liberty. So I called Angelo. He wasn't advertising with us at the time. I called Angelo and I said, hey, I know you're new. You're in town. Can I talk to you about my car? What happened? He walked me and he did everything, right? Like I didn't have to call the insurance company. I didn't have to fill out forms. I didn't have to do any of that stuff. They did it there. Like I went there, I brought him the car, I told him what happened, gave him my insurance information, and they handled everything. So not only did they fix my car so that it looks brand new, and you can't even tell it's been hit, but they also took care of all the headaches that I had. Nice. And then eventually he ended up coming on board and advertising with us for a little while, and he's going to be coming back. He's going to start podcast, doing the podcast, uh, sponsoring the podcast next, next week. So I wanted to give him a free shout out and let people know if you've got a problem with your car, uh, any kind of auto body situation or any kind of mechanical stuff, bring it down to Angelo over there, Angelo Memolo over there. And he likes it yeah. when you say that too. So go ahead and say, there. hey, you're Angelo Memolo over there. And he likes that. So I wonder if we could get it, if, do some sort of discount if people say over there. Yeah, yeah. If they do the over there, <laughs> yeah, they'll get they like 10% in, yeah, exactly. off or something, right? Uh, about it, I also want to thank Eric Spagnoli, my, uh, my intern for the paper, who's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, he's done two full front page stories now. And um, we're hoping to get him on the front page again this month if we can get a story worthy of the front page. Yeah, and we I had him on the show a couple weeks And ago. I want to thank Alexis, my intern on the show, who has been um, pulling audio, pulling video clips, like short video clips, and putting like an intro at the beginning and an intro and an outro at the end so that we can get people to start subscribing to our YouTube channel. I'd really appreciate if you guys go to YouTube, look for Paying Attention Podcast with my name, uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Because if we can get enough subscribers on the YouTube channel, we can actually make money on that. So we make money on the sponsors here on the show, which is good because it helps me pay for the time. But it would be nice if I could actually start making bank on the show, like if I could actually start making money, you know, I can pay for gas and stuff, right? And for those of you that didn't catch how Tom told you to go, just go in the description on Facebook here. I'm adding the links to the YouTube channel so you don't even have to type it in yourself. Just click on the link, get over there and uh, like and subscribe and share us, please. Right, right. So we are talking, I know I'm trying to talk as fast as I can. Do I look like really jaundiced there? Is there something with the colors or is it just the screen? Yeah, it's just the colors. All right, okay. You're okay. Usually I look a little better than that. I thought we had like a filter to make me look handsome. We don't have that? All right. Um, We are going to be having a Valley Patriot bash. We're going to have a secret summer bash. It's probably going to be in May. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow to work out the exact dates. We're going to do at least two, maybe three comedy nights here at the studio. We're going to have comedians come in. And it's going to be a contest. We're going to have Eric, who's a comedian, my my intern, is going to be the host. We've already spoke with Chris Flayhive who um, does CP... God, I'm going to screw it up now, right? I think it's CPF Productions, and he books comedians and shows. Awesome. So we're going to be working together with him to try and raise money for the scholarship kids that we're going to be raising money for with The Bash. The Bash, we, is, it's most likely in May, and we're trying to get Salvatore's, but I haven't spoken to Michael yet, so I don't want to say for sure it's going to be at Salvatore's. Okay. I figure Salvatore's donates the food for free anyway, right? And he has to bring it over to where we are. If we have it there, at least he doesn't have to bring it anywhere. He's already right there, right? Um, we're going to be doing at least five scholarships this year, and we're going to be doing several things to make money on that, uh, to make money for that. So please pay attention. If you're a poker player, Texas Hold'em, we're going to be having sev- several Texas Hold'em nights. Um, not sure where, maybe at Salvatore's, maybe here. Uh, we, we haven't figured that out yet, but stay tuned for that. Um, and what else? And a, and a big shout out to Al Velo, who I only, all I did was post a, a thing on Facebook saying, we're going to have a bash. We don't know when, but stay tuned. Called me that day 
and said, I've got a $500 check for the Cody scholarship for you and a $500 check for the Whittier scholarship for you. When can I come give it to you? And I'm like, look, we don't even have the date yet. Okay, so just, just, I appreciate your enthusiasm and I really want your money for the scholarships, but just hold on. Let, let's, let's get some stuff figured out first. So there's already people who are eager to donate. There are already people eager to try and help these kids get to college. And, um, and that is just a great testament to our readers. Our readers are just awesome, and we love them. Um, I will thank the sponsors in a minute, but I have a guest, and I want to get to a, one story before we get to him. And I'm going to spend a little, only very little time on this. So there's a selectman in Westford, Weston, Weston, Massachusetts. Weston. His name is Doug Gillespie. Um, I got an e- email this morning from the Ethics Commission that he has admitted to violating conflict of inter- interest laws on, quote, multiple occasions. Now, why am I talking about some selectman in Weston? You're going to figure that out in a second. This guy um, violated the conf- conflict of interest laws, including, including by repeatedly participating in a selectman, uh, as a selectman in matters affecting a proposal for affordable housing development in their town on property owned by him and his brothers. All right? Okay. So this guy voted on a project for his own property, which anybody, a five-year-old knows you, you can't do that, right? You got to recuse yourself. And he did it. He made a, a, a shit ton of money. He made a boatload of money on this. He then directed the board of selectmen meeting, the person that does the board of selectmen meeting minutes to alter their meeting minutes to conceal his conflict of interest. Well, somebody turned him into the ethics commission. The ethics, this happened, by the way, in 2018, Okay. okay. It's now 2021. And now it's- they finally found him guilty, the Ethics Commission in Massachusetts. And just to show you what a joke the Ethics Commission is, guess how much this guy had to pay for in a fine? Anybody? Surely it would have been a lot. Eight th- oh, you already knew. $8,000. <laughs> this guy what? made a boatload of money using his position at the town no. to purchase property that belonged to him and his brother, concealed the meeting minutes. Obviously, there was a conspiracy because he had to have somebody else do that, right? Right. And this guy has to pay an $8,000 fine. Crime, if, you're in, if you guys want to know, this is why I'm bringing this up. If you guys want to know why there's so much flipping corruption going on in your town, whatever town you're in, and why nobody ever does anything about it, because this guy screwed the taxpayers of, of hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, in Weston in 2018. And the most that they did to this guy was five years later, they made a pony up eight grand. Are you flipping kidding me? That seems a little... Uh... So, when, so when we look about the, the corruption in Lawrence, when we talk about the corruption in Methuen, which we're going to be talking a lot more about in coming weeks, um, when we talk about the local corruption that happens in the Merrimack Valley... And average people come over to me on the street and they say, hey, I watched your show about the corruption going on wherever. How come nobody ever does anything about that? Here's your answer. The people in charge of doing something about that aren't doing anything about it. An $8,000 fine is nothing. No. And I don't care that he can't use his campaign money. Because I, I talked to somebody at Ethics and they're like, well, he can't use his campaign money. I'm like, well, so what? The guy made hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, on a, on a land deal. And you're making them pay eight grand and to slap on the wrist? Bad. Very, very bad selectmen. Yeah. Very bad. Naughty, naughty. So now you know why there are so many corrupt politicians. That's because there, there's, there's no punishment. There's no... The, crime pays. I was about to say, don't, why do you guys steal right? my tagline? I mean, <laughs> I, I just, just imagine. I mean, yeah. imagine you were the head of a private corporation and you were self-dealing and you got caught by the attorney general's office. You'd go to jail. Yes. 
You'd go to jail. Imagine if you were, you were not a selectman, but you were a, a Weston town worker, right, who had a conflict of interest and you hired your daughter. You'd go to jail. You, there's, there's, no, there's no second chances for the little people. There's right. no second chances for those of us who don't hold positions of real power. But the people that do hold positions of real power are never held to account the way they should. And so I wanted to talk about this today. We do have a guest, and he was running for selectman, um, and he's got a law enforcement background, so I'm interested in his take on this. <laughs> but I saw this, and I, I read it real quick, and then I went to the next email, and I went, wait a minute, 8,000? And I went back, and I read it again and said, I, 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 there's just no way that's right. Right. So, so I went back, and I re-downloaded the email and read it again to make sure I had it right. And, and son of a, it's right. This guy, this guy, Douglas Gillespie, paid an $8,000, and they're not even calling it a fine because we don't want to stigmatize people, hurt their feelings. It's an $8,000 civil penalty. Ooh, it's a penalty. So I put the word fine in one day, and when I got sued, I'm on the deposition, and they're saying, why, why did you change the headline when you get stuff from the Ethics Commission? Why do, you, why do you change the headline to make it sound worse than it is? No, it's actually pretty bad. Yeah. And they're trying to make it look better than it is. I'm just trying to equal the playing field here. So... Penalty. Sounds like a sports thing. Is that like, naughty, naughty in the <laughs> By the way, box. if you know anybody in Western who knows Doug Gillespie, make him, make him buy you dinner next time. The guy made out a fortune, and he only had to pay an $8,000 fine. You know, I look at the stuff that goes on in Methuen. I look at the stuff that goes on in, in Lawrence, even some of the stuff that's gone on in North Andover. And I've always shaken my head saying, you know, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be some kind of a corruption commission that, that the state can establish that is completely removed from politics where they can just go after these people. Just go and, and, and make them pay. This guy should have to pay back every dime that they made on that land deal, plus $8,000, maybe $80,000. Because now what's the disincentive for the next guy? Like, we have Joe Finn here. He's running for selectman in uh, North Andover. What's to stop him from getting in and, and just selling his own property to the town? I mean, what, what's, to, what's to stop him from, from doing that? Other than being a good man? Yeah, I, I don't know. if at the end of the day, Look, five years later, right. they might find him $8,000. No, the Ethics Commission is a joke. Here's what they do good. They do really well at investigating and pointing out the conflicts that happen, but then they don't do anything that, 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 will, that will disincentivize people from doing it again. The, the amount of penalties that they... The, the kinds of penalties that they give to people are not commensurate with the crime that's been committed. It's like going out and raping 15 people and getting probation. Like, it's not going to stop the guy from raping somebody, right? It's like somebody who goes out and kills five people, and he gets, you know, time served while he was waiting for his trial. He's going to go out and kill people again. This is, you, you don't say to a drug dealer who's, who's bringing in thousands of pounds of fentanyl, like, you know what, don't worry about it. We'll give you house arrest for a week. Right? There's a reason why the penalties are stiff for serious crimes is to disincentivize people from committing the crimes yes. in the first place. And I look at this, and I, you know, I don't even know if this guy's still a selectman. It wouldn't surprise me if he is. I'll look it up after the show, and I'll definitely, uh, I'll, I'll definitely give you guys a, um, an update on that. So sitting to my left, we have Joe Finn. He's, again, he's a candidate for selectman in North Andover. The election is on Monday this, this coming Monday? It is on Tuesday. Tuesday this week. Okay. I should know that. All elections are on Tuesday. Right. Um, there are three candidates running for two seats. Uh, one candidate is the incumbent Dick Valancourt. I kind of had a feeling he wouldn't be here because he never does, right? He doesn't think he has to campaign because he's Dick Valancourt. Um, although you, when a candidate says I'm too busy to do a debate when they're running a week before an election, to me it kind of says they don't want the job, right, as a voter. When, 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 when I got an email from Dick, and it's nothing against Dick because I got another one from um, 
and I want, I want to Janice, call her Priscilla Janice, again. Janice, Janice Phillips. Janice Phillips. Yes. Saying she was too busy too. And I'm thinking, okay, so you're running for selectmen. You want to be on the board of selectmen or select board. Um, and it's a week before the election, and this is going to give you free airtime on the internet for the entire weekend before the election because I do watch parties all weekend. And you were just too busy. So apparently you don't, you don't want – first of all, you don't want my vote. I, I vote North Andover. And, and second of all, you, you apparently don't want to be on the board of selectmen. The guy that showed up, Joe Fence, he's the guy I'm going to vote for. Yes. I'm going to vote for you for a couple of reasons. Okay. I like your platform. All right. I also um, – I argue with liberals a lot. I don't know if you're liberal or not. I've never asked you. But I argue with liberals a lot. Uh, most of my friends are liberal. I find it entertaining. And I had a very long lunch with Tram Wen, the state representative in Andover one day. We went to Panera. And she kept trying to convince me that we need to be electing more women and people of color because people need to have someone who represents them that looks like them. And I started thinking, you know what? Steer into the skid. Maybe she's right. I'm going to vote for someone who looks like me to represent me because I don't think a person who's, who's not a man can understand men issues. And I don't, think a white, I don't think anybody who's not a white man can understand issues that affect white men. So I think I'm going to vote for the white man in the school committee race and the, and the board of selectmen race. I'm going to vote for you, and I'm going to vote for, um, I think his name is Doug. I got an email. I got a, a thing in the mail yesterday from him. He's running for a school committee. I'll look it up while you're talking. Okay. So, that's, that's, so I know that this is all very uncomfortable for you because you're in an environment where everything has to be politically correct. <laughs> but, well, but, well, but I'm hoping you vote I, for me for my issues. I, but. I was hoping you would laugh when I said I was voting for you because you're a white guy and I need someone that looks like me because I'm just really just mocking liberals, but you didn't really laugh, so... Yeah, you know, I'm hoping that you vote for me for the issues. All right. Well, th- I mean, that was the first one. I, I let off with that. Okay. I didn't bury the lead at all on that. So you tell people at home why you want to be a member of the Board of Selectmen, what it is that you plan on doing that's going to change their daily life in North Andover if they vote for you rather than one of the other two candidates. All right. Well, well thanks, Tom, for having me on. It's good to be back. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm running, and I think it's become a hard issue in North Andover, is the concern over the rapid growth in North Andover mm-hmm. and the impact that that's had on our town services. So you're talking our fire, uh, our police, DPW, our schools, and traffic. Uh, but there Can you all speak up just a little? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. But oh, I'll pull this in a little. There you How's go. that? You're excellent. Okay. Uh, but there are also other concerns um, that I'm focused on, and that is the um, hopefully providing more affordable housing for our seniors and our veterans. It's uh, protecting our open spaces and our natural resources and, our, and expanding on our recreational facilities and bringing more business to North Andover so we have less reliance on the large-scale, high-density developments that we've seen go in over the last few years. Uh, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind... I don't mind. It's, um, your, it's your hour. Is, uh, ...is just talk about qualifications and experience. And I'll get into some of my background here. And, and the reason that is, it's funny, because initially I had uh, applied to go on to the emergency management services board in North Andover. That's where I started. I said, hey, I'll I'll volunteer for that. And I was interviewed by the board. And later on, one of the board members during a select board meeting uh, asked, uh, I think it was Jeff Coco, who's the director over there. Good guy. Yeah, yeah, I hear he does unbelievable stuff. Um, Are you looking for people with certain backgrounds and certain qualifications? And And I sat back and said, do we ask that of select board members? And so I, 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 I took a look at some of the the uh, forums and debates, and they, it doesn't seem as if they really get into their backgrounds. And so what I want North Andover residents to know, because I'm asking for their vote, is do they feel comfortable um, that I can solve some of these problems? And that's where I get into my background a little bit. So first of all, I have 
30 years in the government. Um, I have executive level experience in human resources and budgeting, procurement, human uh, labor relations. Um, and, I, and, and the last job I had was with the Office of Inspector General, which goes into some of the things you're talking about. I was the executive special agent in charge um, for the uh, Postal Service. It was the Northeast Area Office of Inspector General. And one of the things about that, when people talk about the Office of Inspector General, it really doesn't matter where you're at. You could be at the Postal Service, HHS, and one of these organizations. What we do is we really have oversight, guidance, and directions over the programs because what we're trying to do is ensure, and this gets into some of the stuff you talked about, ensure accountability, uh, efficiencies, and integrity in those, not only in the operations, but in the assets, the revenues, and the employees. Uh, so, and I think that's, that's important. We do that through investigations because we have an investigations branch and we have an audit branch within the Office of Inspector General. But we do that through investigations. And we do it all to protect the Postal Service, its employees, and the American public. So that's kind of the background in terms of that. Now, the job itself... Um, I was responsible for all the Northeast area, uh, so it was all the New England states. Um, the people I used to deal with, though, um, some of the top uh, highest level uh, federal officials in government. I started with the U.S. Attorney's Office and talked to them, so I go over to each of the U.S. Attorneys, and you talked about a little bit about investigations and things like that to find out what their priorities are, because you'd be interested in when you have changes in administration, you have changes in priorities. Mm -hmm. uh, it can go from guns and drugs to maybe white-collar crime type issues, healthcare cases, contract fraud cases that we do. Uh, so it's important to deal with them and then deal, obviously, with the AUSAs where we give our cases to. Uh, we also deal with the uh, heads of the federal law enforcement agencies throughout the country, obviously postal service uh, executives, and then our stakeholders. Uh, so it's a little bit about what I did uh, on that end. Uh, I also spent time, and I spent 20 years there, and I ended up retiring there. Uh, um, and then I spent 10 years with the Postal, uh, postal Service prior to that. Um, and there I was a, a postmaster, uh, tour superintendent, uh, area manager. I spent time in labor relations. Uh, and so what I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that all those type of leadership type positions will help me solve some of the problems that we have in North Andover that we face. And I think it does. And I think it differentiates myself from other people. Uh, and I think it's always a good thing to have somebody on the board, this is my opinion, of course, that has had that oversight type of res uh, responsibilities. Because you're, you're going to have oversight of the police department, right? Yeah. And, and um, I'm, gl I'm just gleaning off of what you've told me about your background that you're probably pro-cop. Yeah, we've worked we've worked cases with the North Andover Police Department. Great, uh, great. We've 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 worked some drug cases. With I ha I happen to think that uh, Chief Gray is one of the best chiefs in the Merrimack Valley, yeah, if super, not the best chief in the Merrimack super, Valley. Yeah. Uh, and I don't say that lightly. I know a lot of chiefs, and, and I'm friends with almost all of them. Um, and I think he's phenomenal. Um, but he he's he's operating a department in a climate that is very anti-cop. And you got a lot of people out there saying the cops are all racist, right? All these labels and stereotypes and, and all, the, all the racial issues that are going on in the community. How do you handle that? Like, I know people look at the job when they're running and they're looking at the specifics of, you know, developments and all that. But when the social issues hit, I notice that the Board of, Delectman, Board of Selectmen runs very far to the left whenever somebody gets up and starts complaining about Columbus Day and renaming Columbus Day and renaming the Board of Selectmen to Select Board. They always seem to run to the left whenever there's any kind of social controversy. So I guess my question to you is, is you know, if you get on the board and, and uh, the social justice warriors start making trouble for the board about the North Andover uh, Police Department, um, where do you come down on that? Do you side with the cops or do you run to the left like the rest of the board? I'm a big public safety guy. Um, 
and I'm talking about all first responders, uh, fire department, police departments, um, they do a fantastic job. And if you take a look at some of the crises that we've had in North Andover, um, with the gas crisis, uh, the pandemic that we've had, um, those guys always step up. They do tremendous work. Yeah, they do. Um, and I'm even talking about some of the committees with Jeff Coco, some of the things he did even during the, the uh, uh, the gas crisis where he opened up the high school. He and, and his wife are so amazing. I've watched them do such, such incredible things for the town for 30-something years. They, 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 they are just great, both yeah. of them. They really are. I mean, when I initially started thinking about this, I think I had some feedback about uh, talking about my background. Um, and so, but, uh, you know, that's, that's who I am. Uh, and it's not only that. These, these type of positions that I'm in, that you're talking about, at least in the, they're, they're a lot of them, in my opinion, they're leadership positions. Because even before I got in there, I was in leadership positions uh, with the Postal Service. Uh, so um, it's a little different, but I've worked with a, a lot of different agencies, federal agencies, and uh, they're unbelievable. We've had some great work. I mean, if you Google um, right now, if you had Googled uh, my name, it'd be Special Agent Joe Finn, um, and Department of Justice, uh, Justice Healthcare Fraud. Um, you'll find that that's, there was a case there. It was the biggest uh, healthcare fraud case uh, in the history of the Department of Justice, and that happened with a number of local agencies. But a billion dollars ended up going back to Medicare and Medicaid. They do some fantastic work, mm -hmm. fantastic work at the U.S. Attorney's Office, um, getting that money for those type of programs that are well needed. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of great work that we do uh, and that a lot of agencies do. And, and a lot of people just don't know about it. Right. So I think the answer to my question is you're not running to the left when the social issues hit, when, when, when they stop putting pressure on you guys to, uh, to, to go after the police department or any of that kind of stuff. You're, you're not running to the left like my, will, like my good friend Phil. <laughs> I don't know what Phil does. I can tell you I have a big police supporter. Good, I can good. tell you that. Now my, and, and because Phil is my friend and he's liberal, obviously, he, although he doesn't consider himself liberal because he's not as liberal as other people, he always, like to, he always likes to try to compare himself to someone more liberal to him to say I'm not really that liberal, but he really kind of is. Um, but he's a good guy, and I've always supported him because of his constituent services. But we had a conversation, I think, maybe about a week or two ago, um, where he was talking about one of the things that he wished that he could have gotten done when he was a selectman, because he's going to be leaving in another couple of days, um, was uh, with the housing situation in North Andover, maybe increasing the number of in-law apartments because of the number of seniors that can't afford to stay in town anymore. And that if the town expanded the number or allowed uh, more, or I don't even know if they allow any, uh, in-law apartments that, that it would allow the, the elderly who live in North Andover to maintain it to stay in town. And just throwing that out there to see what you think about that. I think anytime we can, we can have affordable housing for the seniors is a good thing. Yeah. What I did is, the first thing I did is I went over and talked to Irene O'Brien. You probably know her. She's, mm -hmm. she's retiring. Mm -hmm. uh, but she was the director, or is the director of elder care, and asked her what are some of the issues. And when I found out there were 8,000 seniors in North Andover, I couldn't believe it. Um, so I think there were a lot of things that we need to do for the seniors. Um, housing, obviously, is one of them. And I've, I've reached out to a number of people to talk about are there some solutions to that. Uh, and there are strategies right now that are being looked at with the uh, implementation committee for the master plan, and they're good ones that really help them out. Uh, but I've already started that. I even spoke with the housing authority. It, are there any answers there for, for the senior housing? So there's certain things I'm already started to look at, and mm -hmm. I'm going to dive into that um, 
once I, once hopefully uh, okay. I, when I'm elected for, for for the seniors, and also with the seniors, I'm looking at any type of expansion of the recreational facilities. Uh, I know they're looking to expand that for the kids and maybe for the seniors also. Uh, but Rick Gorman, I don't know if you know Rick Gorman. I do. Uh, I know of him. I, okay. never, I don't think we've uh, ever actually physically met. Okay. He, he does an uh, unbelievable job. He does. He does. I follow him on Twitter all the time. He's, oh, very, he's very active. I'm always retweeting his stuff. He's always doing great work for the kids. Yeah. No, there's no doubt about it. I wish I was on that. I, I told you before, being a baby boomer, I'm, I'm behind the times. Yeah. Plus, being in law enforcement, I was told never to be on social media. Right. So I was never on, fo- most on of social my, media. Most of my cop friends don't even have a Facebook page. Yeah. No, no. I believe And if they that. do, it's under like a fake name with no picture of them. And, right. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, no. Um, no. So hopefully, you know, he'll be able to help out also because those seniors now, that they're more active. Right. Right. And they want to have things done. So I'm hoping to have more recreational type activities in North Andover for seniors. And Rick is an unbelievable person to go to and ask about those things. Right. And if we can expand some of those facilities, I think it'd be a good thing. Great. So if you, if you get elected, oh, we're doing good on time. Um, if you, if you get elected, what is your, what is your number one priority? What are you going to hit the ground running with to improve the average life of people like me who live in town? I think, well, the first step I've taken is, is the moratorium, right? right? So um, I've got the petitions there. We, we sent it in. We got it certified. I have a meeting now on April 6th with the planning board. I think that's the first step in terms of the rapid growth of North Andover. That is affecting so many different things in North Andover. I can't even tell you how much I hate it. I can't even tell you how much I hate the influx of all of this enormous housing that's coming in. I just I hate it so much. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, we need to address it. Yeah. If we really need to address it. I mean, I... I I think I spoke before about uh, uh, the town manager in terms of I think she recognizes it too. I think she's sounding the alarm. I mean, she even mentioned it uh, in terms of uh, large-scale development of the, of these of these developments that we have to do something, and some and some of it's, uh, you know surrounds the the 40B issue, the affordable housing issue, uh, and then who's going to control North Andover? Is it going to be the developers? Um, or is it going to be the people in North Andover? Right. And that's a big thing. I think you have to have, Tom, you have to have a vision. Think, think about it. And, and, and I'll ask you, uh, where do you see North Andover in 10, 15 years? I'm frightened. Uh, I'm frightened but, when I think about the answer to that question at the pace that we're going now. I see a lot more affordable housing coming, affordable housing coming in, which generally means people who are poorer and with poorer populations come more crime and more issues, right? More kids in the schools, more drag on the, on the infrastructure, the pipes, the sewer systems, all that. Um, I would love for North Andover to focus more on bigger homes, right? That pay more in taxes. And we know if someone has too big a home, then the taxes that they're paying it doesn't equal out. But but something that's going to help the town. I, I want the town to be financially solvent without always having to go to the state to get grants. Because when you go to the state to get grants, as we found out in Lawrence for twenty years, there's always strings attached to those grants. And those strings usually are not good for whatever town that it is. Um, I'd, I would love to live the rest of my life in North Andover and never leave. But I'm also watching rents go up, property values go up, and not much, to be, not, not much of people addressing that, people who are in charge, the selectmen. The, so I'm looking at my rents going up $100 every year. I'm looking at property values are going up especially because I'm downtown, my office is downtown, so that's obviously going to go up with all the renovations that have gone on. And I wonder if I'm going to be able to spend my, my final days in North Andover, and, I, and I'd like to. But all these big, brand-new developments aren't helping because it's a drain on the, on the infrastructure of the town, which is going to make costs go up. 
And I think that's one of the reasons we're looking at the moratorium, right? We're, gonna, we're asking or proposing to do a comprehensive study of the impact of that recent rise in, in, in construction. And I think, and I'll be able to talk about this uh, at the town meeting, um, about affordable housing, solutions to all of those type of issues and what's good. And keep in mind the Massachusetts general law under 40B in terms of the 10% of, of affordable housing um, and that we can grow North Andover smartly. We really can. Uh, but I don't see it as a place where it turns more into a city as opposed to a town. I want to keep the natural landscape, the uniqueness of that. Um, and I have a vision of, of more, more bike trails, more walking trails, um, protecting the, the open, we can do this, protecting the open spaces that we have in North Andover, uh, expanding our recreational facilities. And I can see that. And we can do all of that, it's, it's my understanding. Under this moratorium, there's a lot of strategies that we can still go forward with and complete um, and, and hopefully complete within a couple of years. But we can do that. We can address all these issues, Tom. These issues can be resolved. Oh, but, they have, but they have to be done now because if you yes. wait five years, it's going to be too late. No, no. You, ha you have to do them now. And I think that's why when I say I think the town manager has sounded the alarm, I think it's part of it. She is advocating also for bringing a housing consultant uh, to take a look at some of the issues that we have in order to to address them. And that, that I think is a great idea. So you, you mentioned a master plan. Yeah. And when I had uh, Methuen May and Neil Perry here uh, about a month or two ago, he talked about how he was going to revitalize revitalize the master plan in Methuen. First of all, nobody knows what that means, right? Secondly, um, and hopefully you can explain a little bit for the people who, who at home don't understand what a master plan is, but I've watched, and I think over the last 20 years, I've probably watched about 30 master plans get made and ignored, right? In Lawrence, they do a new master plan every year. And they do the master plan. They spend all of this time and they get public input and they put dots on the screen and they do all this stuff. And then when it's over, nobody follows it. And then a year later, somebody new comes in and says, you know what we need? We need a master plan. And they do the whole thing all over again and then don't follow it. So I don't know if that's the case in North Andover, but I'm going to ask you because you do follow this stuff. Is it worth even having a master plan and spending money, on, uh, spending money and time and resources on a master plan when five minutes later something changes and nobody's going to follow it? I think it is. Okay. Uh, no, I, no, I read the master plan, believe it or not. Oh, well, good. I don't know. It's 259 pages. Listen, it, it, you what, deserve to be on the board of selectmen just for that alone, <laughs> right. because I have a copy of the master plan. I've never actually read it. Right. <laughs> and what it, it, what it does, though, it, it, it really does give you some important information in, there, in my opinion. But it's, I think it's always good to have some sort of comprehensive approach. I think you should update it. I think things are going to happen like anything else. I've mm -hmm. been involved in long-term planning in, in, in the jobs that I've been in. Uh, but you've got to update them, and things are going to change. And right. that's why you always have to have uh, kind of like a living document on the master plan. But that master plan addresses like seven different issues in the town. It talks about our housing. It talks about our land use. It but talks is, it, about is, it being, is it being followed, though? Well, you know what it is? It's, it's, some of it is. It is. You know why? Because we have an implementation committee now that came oh, off nice. the master plan. And now what they've done um, is they have strategies for each of those segments that they're looking at. And then they've divided that up into subcommittees. Nice. So what they've done is taken some of the strategies. It could be like five or six strategies. And let me give you an example. I think I have one uh, here. Just uh, in terms of affordable housing, one of the possible strategies they're looking at uh, is creating housing options for seniors which result in deed-restricted affordable units. Another one is conversion of existing housing stock from market rate to affordable. So they have these type of strategies for all of these segments, and now they've taken like 
one or two that they believe are the most important, and they're working through them, and then they report back to the See, to I the love that. Board. I love that. I'm a results-oriented guy, and one of the reasons why I've always been against these master plans is because there's no result. So if Neil Perry's listening, the Merriment the one's listening, okay, I understand he still does watch the show, um, an implementation committee when you're done your master plan to make sure that the things in the master plan are actually going to get done. Yeah, and that's what and that's what they're trying to do. I'm telling you, they do great work. I've 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 listened to probably three or four of these committee meetings. Um, they really care, but they're really professional, and they really know what they're doing. They do, and and hopefully we'll get some. And that's one of the reasons when I read this report, I said we can do a moratorium, follow through on some of these strategies, uh, and complete them even with what I'm suggesting. So I'm hoping that's that's what'll happen. All right, now I'm going to try and get you in trouble. Wow. Does North Andover spend too much money on the schools? I'm a big school guy. Um, my kids went to North Andover High School. They loved it. I had one that actually uh, initially started at Central and didn't like it, came back to North Andover and loved it. Really? They, yeah. They, they have great programs there, too. Um, but we've had great experience. My wife uh, graduated from North Andover High School. Um, I think it's so important, Tom. And I know they right now they probably have maybe two-thirds of the budget. We have like $112 million budget. Um, and, uh, and maybe close to two-thirds will go to the schools. I think it's so important. And you're gonna, we're going to go back and forth. Yeah, I'm not going to agree with you on this, but I'm just letting but, you go. Right, but I think it's so important to have a, a great school system. Now, you may argue about where we spend it and what we're doing, and, and, and I'll be looking at that. Uh, but I really do want to work with, with the superintendent, uh, who happens to be two doors down from my house. Keep that in mind. And, 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 Are and the schools open yet a, in North Andover? Uh, we're still in the hybrid. Okay. We're spending millions of dollars on the school system, right? We shut the country down in March of last year, and these kids are still not back in school, despite the fact that the science says kids that get it don't get sick. 99.9% of the kids that, that uh, get it don't transmit it. Why aren't the kids back? I, I get why Chicago's not back. I get why Boston's not back. Why isn't North Andover back? Why aren't we just back? I wish we were. I think a lot of people wish we were, right? I think even the, the administrators... I'm trying to lead you somewhere, right, but, but you don't want to go there. No, well, I think the administrators want, want us to get back, too. I think they all do. I think the frustration is is that we see certain schools that are back. In particular, we see in North Andover, we've got St. Mike's. They've been back the whole time. Right. Um, it's a smaller school. And nobody's dying right? from COVID at St. They, Michael's. Well, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, Believe me, you'd hear about it but, if they were. <laughs> it probably would. Uh, but uh, I think that's what part of the, the frustration is where we see it in, in different areas. Private schools, I think, are, are, back, are back now. Central might be back full time. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, now there may be different issues with these uh, things. You know, hopefully selected uh, to the school board, I want to work closely with them. Uh, but obviously I wish they were back to school, but I think a lot of them, uh, people wish they were back to school. Yeah, just not the people that make the decision. Otherwise, we'd be back to school. So the people that are so the administrators want us to go back. The elected officials want us to go back. The parents want us to go back. Why aren't we back? Teachers' unions is the answer. You get, you get, survey said <laughs> you got the wrong answer. We, no, the answer is the teachers' unions. The teachers' well, unions is the reason why we're not going back. Well, we know that they, they, they're not. Yeah, they're opposed to going back. There's no about, no doubt about right. it. Right. Yeah, because no they doubt. want more money. Despite, well, I mean, they're already getting so much money. It's ridiculous. And now they're holding out for more. And, 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 you know, I know no one wants to talk about the elephant in the room, but that's kind of what this show is, right? <laughs> the, the, the fact is, the fact is these teachers, some of them very nice people, some of them very dedicated, but the people who run their unions are greedy. 
and they are not caring about the children. They don't give two craps about the children, in my opinion. If they did, the kids would be back. Well, I think Parents want it back. You want it back. I the do. politicians want it back, and the administrators want it back. Yeah. We're not back because the teachers don't want to go back. That's, that's the reality, right? I, I don't know if it's the teachers. I, I, I think it's the teachers' unions. Well, yeah, but, but the teachers I, but, elect the unions. Right, the union but, represents the teachers. Well, I'll tell you, I was in a union, and there was a lot of things the unions did I didn't like. Matter of fact, I didn't even know if I wanted my money to go to the unions when I was in the union because of some of the people they represented mm-hmm. and some of the things. Uh, because uh, I think in terms of teachers, I'll tell you, like, you know, we've had unbelievable experience with North End of teachers. Unbelievable. Um, so I think you have to separate the two. You have to separate the unions from I think everything else. Now, you may, you may say, hey, they're representing all the teachers. The I'll, teachers elect them. They do elect them. But I'll tell you right now, I was in a union, and they did a lot of things I did not agree with. Right, but the majority it, of the people voted for the people. The majority of the teachers voted for the union heads that are now making these decisions. Maybe they won't. So maybe the question is, why do we have teachers' unions? If the teachers want to go back, and it's the unions holding us up, why don't we just disband the teachers' unions and just pay teachers on a contract the way we pay cops? I think you're going to like this, but I think they, they do provide a role, unions do, because when you talk about get benefit, benefits based... It's going to get your votes, it's just not for me. Right, 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 right. But, I, th- right, but I, think there is a, I think there is a difference. We're not going to agree with everything, maybe. That's good. But I think you have to... You I have would to worry s- about you if you agreed with me on everything. Right. I think you have to separate the two. I really do, from the unions and the te- even the teachers themselves. And maybe when the unions come up with it, w- w- in terms of uh, selecting new u- union heads, maybe they won't, maybe they'll select different people. I hope so. Who knows? I hope uh, so. Because I know there's some, I know there's some frustrated teachers out there. Believe me, we know them that what they want to get back into into the classroom. What would happen if the town said you're going back to school starting Monday? If you don't show up, you're fired. You don't show up. You you, you can't. If you're a doctor, you can't strike. If you're a, if you're a nurse, you can't strike. If you're a cop, you can't strike. If you're a firefighter, you can't strike. Postal service you can't strike. Right. This amounts to a strike. They're refusing to go to work. Like you said, and I'm going to say it again for the fourth time. The, t- the parents want us back to school. The politicians want us back to school. You want us back to school. Yep. The administrators want us back to school. Order them back to school. And if they don't want to come back, fine. There's plenty of people out there that would love to teach. We just hire new people. Yeah, I don't and know. Just get rid of the unions. Yeah. The unions are killing everything. And we, I think what we learned in COVID is that the teachers' unions are not the, um, they're not the sacred cows that we thought they were. You know, they're always painted as, you know, but they care about the children and they're in the classroom every day and they have to pay for their own pencils. And, and we found out, I think, through COVID that that's not true. That, you know, a lot of the teachers, yeah, they do care, but the majority of them are voting for these union heads and these union heads are saying, no, we don't care. And so to me, that means the majority of the teachers don't care. Otherwise, these guys wouldn't be in office. These guys wouldn't be running the unions. Well, I'm not going to speculate on that. Yeah. I really am not. I mean, I'm, I, not a bi- I, I'm not a big I, union guy, yeah. to be honest with you. Yeah, well. I think there was, there's a... There's a there's a place for unions. Yep. Nurses, they can't strike, right? You work at a hospital, you shouldn't be able to strike. So if they want to have a union that's going to negotiate a contract, I guess I'm okay with that. Police officers, I don't know that... I, don't know that I used to think that having a unions for police officers was a good thing, but I see some bad cops getting fired, and then the unions go to bat for them. I saw that we had this guy, Bill Green and Lawrence, and thank God the union wouldn't represent him. But there were four guys behind him. One of them was accused of rape, and they went and they went to bat for the guy. The guy's actually in prison right now. So uh, uh, keep in mind, Tom, I used to, I used to be get, v- against all unions except for like public service type stuff. Right. Now I think I'm even against that. I think, and I think you got to keep in mind too when you say that when, when we're all one 
one side issue and not on the other, that you, you have poor managers too. Yep. I mean, I worked in, I worked in an, an environment in the Postal Service, and they're heavy unions. Um, and, and I worked with them. I was in labor relations. I worked with, and you can work with the unions. Uh, but you'll find also that you've got managers and supervisors out there that can cause the problems also. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's a balance. But you can fire an administrator. You can't fire a union teacher. I mean, it's almost impossible. I sat on the school committee in Lawrence. We had a guy that actually hit a kid at the Arlington School, and the teachers' union president fought tooth and nail to put that guy back into a classroom. Fought tooth and nail. And I looked at him at one point and said, you really want this guy back in a classroom? He hits another kid, right? We're going to get sued for millions and millions of dollars. They're going to drag up the first case and say, why'd you put him back in a classroom? And his answer was, that's my job. My job is to try and put him back in the classroom. So that's what turned me off to unions, especially teachers' unions. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I don't know the specifics. And, I, and obviously, I, I would want to know the specifics before I even commented on any of that. I'm, I'm sure just, just trying to throw an example, right, a I'm, real-life example of, you know, these unions back people that are not good people. At least the administrator, you can fire them. Maybe you have to pay their contract up, but you, you, you can fire them. You can never get rid of a bad teacher. It's very hard to get rid of a bad cop. It's very, very hard to get rid of a bad firefighter because of these unions. Yeah, I heard that comment when I was in the Postal Service, and, right. that, and it just wasn't true. And the thing is, because we, we did get rid of people. Okay. We did get rid of people. Right. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you right now, I'll tell you a quick story because uh, I'll let you go. And, uh, we, we, were, we were asked to actually go into a post office once because it, so, it was so poorly run. Um, and... Uh, and they actually had a, a council meeting. It was in Cambridge. I don't know if I told you the story. It was in Cambridge. They were having problems with the Cambridge Post Office, and the deliveries were so bad. So they brought us in. Uh, there were two of us that went in there um, to try and see if we could fix some of the issues. And, they, um, and we were able to do that, but we worked with the unions. But you're right. And some of those employees, was, was, they were not, were not good, but we were able to get rid of them. Some of the supervisors were not good, and we were able to move them along. So I, I think if you have good management uh, and good unions, it works. Right. I, I do, and and I well, I've experienced it. That's all I can tell you. And mm-hmm. uh, and I'll tell you right now what uh, uh, I'll be volunteering my uh, as a mediator um, coming up uh, on on disputes that may even include uh, district court eviction cases. Uh, so and that's my way of volunteering for the pandemic um, to help to help communities out there. So I'll be doing that starting starting next month, and that's run through the state. Uh, so I'll I'll be doing that. So hopefully I'll be using these these skill sets that I have uh, that I used in the Postal Service and uh, hopefully I'll use it in, uh, in, this, in this job. All right, we're running up against time. Um, give your final pitch. Somebody's watching this. I'm doing a watch party maybe on Sunday and they're going to vote in a couple of days. Why should they vote for you for Board of Selectmen in North Andover? I think, I think because I think we've got some real challenges and I think those challenges become more real every, every year uh, in North Andover uh, with some of the problems that I mentioned. And I think it's good to have somebody on there who has faced tough issues before. And that can be with the unions. Uh, um, you have some sort of executive level experience where you've, you've dealt with the human resource size, the budgeting, the procurement, all that's going to come into play. But also oversight um, is always a good thing to have somebody on there uh, that, that has a lot of integrity, uh, professionalism, and, and keep in mind, uh, we had top secret security clearance throughout our career, so you know you've got that mm-hmm. on there. I think from a personal side, uh, my wife Nancy Oaks and I, we raised our kids in North Andover, as, as you know. Uh, my wife went to the schools I just mentioned, um, and I was heavily involved in the community in North Andover, where I spent 15 straight years in, in, in baseball and basketball, so I'm heavily involved there. I, I love the community. Uh, I love our towns. I love our 
schools. Uh, and I think they can be great. And I don't think the issue here, if we talk about all the money there, I think the issue is let's raise more money. Let's get more businesses in town. There are solutions to these things where people don't say, oh, we have too much money going to the schools. And I say, listen, I'm interested in making great schools. And let me try to find the problem of trying to get more revenue. And don't rely on large scale. Uh, I could do a whole hour just on, I could do a whole do hour just on what you just said. Right. Do, well, do that. Because, to, to bring, because more revenue business. doesn't equal a better education. It, it does not. Right. But I'm not, but I'm, but listen, we can work with the schools. And I think right. these administrators are great administrators. Say what you want. I, you know, I think Dr. Gilligan is doing a great job. I think he's Jackson, a good guy too. Yeah, Ch- Jackson's doing a great job. I have faith in, the, in those people. And, when, and so when they speak, I listen to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also want to dig into the numbers. And that's, and that's, and that's what we do. And that's will, what my career you, has done. Will you so, come back on the show after the election, win or lose, to just talk about like stories of the day? Just to like, come in and hang out with us? I could. I have a lot of good stories okay. in my All career. Right. A lot of good stories. Right. Yeah. His name and, is... And please vote. Yes. Uh, please vote March 30th. Uh, it's on Tuesday. Please get out there. If you share some of my concerns that, that I just mentioned, please come out and vote. I love it. Yep. Make sure you vote no matter who you vote for. Um, I want to thank the McLennan Real Estate Century 21. We love Matt and Sam and Janet. Um, maybe we'll try and get them in for next week to talk about real estate. It's been a couple of months since we've had them on. Uh, AFC Urgent Care. Make sure you get over to AFC Urgent Care Methuen and North Andover. No reason to wait four hours at the Holy Family Hospital. You walk in, within 10 minutes, they take care of you. Marsan and Son Construction. This is the perfect time to put on a, um, a new roof or a new, a new uh, addition to your home. Call Marsan and Son Construction. EIS Investigation and Gun Training. Make sure you go get your gun training at EIS Investigations. Borelli's Deli, where I go for my meets after the show every Thursday. And a free shout-out to Don Scientech in North Andover. And Angelo Memolo over there from A&M Auto Body over there. He's going to be uh, taking care of your car. Get over there. You're going to take care of your car. If you, if, you, if you have a car problem, somebody, somebody hits you. An auto body problem over there. Oh. All right, listen, I want to thank Joe Finn. I want to thank my producer, Chrissy Cunningham. And it uh, sounds like Melvin Taylor says we got to go home. So go home already. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.